All right. Well, thanks, Malk. Uh, thanks, everyone. Hope you are doing well today. It's good to uh, good to see you, and uh, particularly thanks to the guy driving his motorbike down the road as well. Uh, it's nice to know that people are having fun out there this afternoon too. Um, yeah. So we are back in Ephesians again. I'm looking forward to uh, what God has for us this afternoon. Thanks, particularly to Malk uh, for helping us just uh, sit in. Uh, Psalm 29 there. That was just uh, super helpful. So thanks very much for that, mate. But let's, let's key in now on, uh, on the first part of Ephesians 3 um, and uh, keep our Bibles open. And why don't I just pray for us as we ask God to help us again in this time together. Let's just pray. So Father, yes, we, uh, we commit our time to you. We thank you so much uh, for your goodness to us and speaking to us. Please, Lord, now accompany the preaching of your word with power. Holy Spirit, come and work, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians uh, and, and seeing how it unpacks our story if we trust in the Lord Jesus. Whoever we are, wherever we're from, whatever our personal story to this point, when we are united to Jesus through faith, his story becomes our story, and we share in all of the blessings of belonging to him. God's story, which becomes our story, is known as the gospel, uh, which means the good news. And it's a story that people have been telling one another for hundreds of years, really over the last 2,000 years uh, since the beginning of the church. And today, we're going to be thinking about the storyteller. That's uh, the title for today's message, the storyteller. How can we become better storytellers as we tell and share the gospel story? Now, not many of you will know this, but um, storytelling played a pretty pivotal role in the launching and the life of Trinity Church. Uh, back in autumn of 2018, I had uh, just taken on the role of associate pastor at City Church in central Manchester. Um, I'd been brought on to prepare the church to get ready to plant a new church into the north of Manchester. And one day, Ralph, Ralph Cunnington, who was my boss, who you'll actually be seeing next week, he's going to be uh, joining us to preach from, the, from the, the last half of Ephesians 3. Uh, Ralph told me one day that he had signed me up to attend uh, a conference which was taking place in, of all places, Torquay. Now, I don't love conferences at the best of times. Some people are conference junkies, they love conferences. That is not me. But I particularly hate conferences that are located in spectacularly inaccessible places in the country like Torquay. Right now you're getting a little bit of an insight into my psyche. Despite being 34 years old, I am a deeply grumpy old man. But when Ralph tells me to do something, I do it. So I was off to Torquay. And he also informed me that I was going to be accompanied on this mammoth journey by the trainee minister of City Church, some bloke named Malcolm Clark. So, early one Monday morning, Malk shows up at my house, uh, along with his brother Doug and our friend Eric, who were both also attending this conference. And I jumped into the back of Doug's uh, huge people carrier, which he uses to transport his 15,000 children around. And we started the long journey down to Torquay. Google Maps informed me, and this did nothing to improve my mood, that it was going to be seven and a half hours to get there. But because this is Manchester we're talking about, two hours in, we still haven't even got to the M6. 
It was chucking it down with rain. Time was standing still. And so for something to do, I just decided to ask the question, what is your best story? Well, in the end, it took us about nine hours to reach Torquay. And we stayed there for three days, and it took us nine hours to get back. But from the moment that I asked that question, we basically spent the whole time telling stories. And most of them centered on the stupid and juvenile things that Malk and I did when we were growing up. It may surprise you to know that we have lots of those kinds of stories in our past. And it was, frankly, hilarious. Uh, at one point, we had to stop telling stories because D Doug was laughing so much that he nearly crashed the car. Um, and so I don't want to say that that road trip is the whole reason that Malcolm and I decided to plant Trinity Church together, but it basically is. Because, because Malcolm and I are storytellers. It's just what we love to do. And we still do it now. I mean, frankly, why are we not in a venue? Because we don't do any work. We just sit around telling stories. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's, that's not true. We do do some work from time to time. Now, whilst most of you, I'm sure, wouldn't have spent an entire three days telling stories, uh, all of us, from time to time, find ourselves in the role of storyteller. Perhaps uh, you're reading a book with your kids at bedtime, or you're recounting an incident from a previous weekend to a work colleague, or whatever it is, we use stories to share things that matter to us. Because stories are good to share, aren't they? They make us laugh, they make us cry, they almost make us crash the car. But when it comes to telling the gospel story, well, that can often feel a bit more difficult, doesn't it? Daunting, even. How do we do it well? We just heard from Mark in Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord thunders. It doesn't thunder when I tell it, right? When we open the Bible. How can I tell the gospel story in a way that moves people and, and sees power to change and helps them to believe it? How can I tell the gospel well? Frankly, sometimes that's not even the question we're asking. Sometimes we're just asking, can I even remember it? Do I even know the right words? Surely there's someone better to do this than me. As Christians, God invites us to be part of the gospel story through faith in Jesus. His story becomes our story. But with that invitation comes the expectation that we will also become storytellers. So I want us to think today about what that looks like. Because we want to be good gospel storytellers. And so we're going to do that, uh, not just because this is my great idea, but because that is exactly what Paul does here in Ephesians chapter 3. You see, he's been telling uh, the gospel story. He's been unpacking all of the implications of the gospel in a whole variety of different ways over the first two chapters of the book of Ephesians. And then mid-flow, he suddenly breaks off. Do you notice that in verse 1? Even apostles get distracted sometimes. So uh, we read there, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, he's actually about to pray. We know that because he resumes his train of thought in verse 14. We'll pick that up again next week. But first, he realises in this moment that he is introducing himself as the storyteller, I, Paul. And he takes the opportunity in this moment to, to introduce 
himself and his ministry to his readers. The letter to the Ephesians is probably a circular letter. Uh, what that means is that it was designed to be read not just by one church, but by many. Uh, it kind of sent around the, all the churches in Asia Minor at that time. And so uh, they, they, they'd read it and then they'd pass it on. And Paul realises that lots of them who are reading this or having it read to them might not realise who he is uh, or why he is the one who is telling them the gospel story. And so he introduces himself and explains his ministry to them. And in doing so, he provides five simple lessons for us today as we think through how to become more effective gospel storytellers. Five things that are simple and are true and that hopefully will help us have confidence as we begin to think about being gospel storytellers here in North Manchester. So let's take a look at the five. Here's the first thing. Know the story. Know the story. Have you ever heard someone try and tell a story that goes a little bit like this? So uh, there was this man and he was, he was in London at, wait, no, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, there was a man, he was from London and he, no, wait. Um, okay, so in London uh, or, or somewhere, there was a man or, or perhaps a woman or, or maybe it was a cat. I can't, I can't actually really, do you, do you know, you've all heard stories like that, right? You, maybe you've told stories like that. You all know that they are not fun stories to either tell or hear. Perhaps the most important part of being a good storyteller is knowing the story yourself, right? And Paul is at pains to demonstrate here in verses two to six that one of the reasons the Ephesians should listen to him, despite his circumstances, is that he knows the gospel story. He reminds them there in verses two and three that God has graciously revealed the mystery of the gospel to him. And he unpacks that mystery again there in verse 6. He says, uh, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that means the non-Jews, people probably like uh, most of us today, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So, so what is the mystery that previous generations hadn't understood? The mystery is that God has made one new, diverse, united people in the church. Made up of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. It's what we were thinking about last week from the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. God, by the working of his Holy Spirit that we thought about in chapter 1, has revealed all this to Paul and to the other apostles. We see that in verse 4. This, this mystery of Christ, that on the cross, Jesus brought people from every nation back into relationship with God by taking their sins upon himself and paying the penalty for that sin. You know, it seems simple to say, doesn't it? But in order to tell the story well, we have to know the story well. But the good news for us today is that that is not beyond us. We have the words of the apostles and the prophets here in our New Testament. 
And we have the help of the Spirit of God who gives us revelation. He gives us light as we read these words. He helps us to know what God is saying to us. We have believed the story ourselves if we've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. So we, we have the story in our hands and in our hearts. And the better we know it, as we study and listen and pray, the better we will be as gospel storytellers. So let me encourage you today. If you ever get that feeling, you feel a little bit hazy about the details of the gospel story, open your Bible, pray, maybe find someone else to read the Bible with so that you can talk about it. If you'd like help finding someone to do that with, we would love to put you in touch with people. Uh, we have a whole group of uh, people who are meeting one-to-one -one on a regular basis to read the Bible and talk about it. So we could definitely find you someone to do that with. Or maybe if that doesn't work for you, why not come along to one of our weekly small groups? That's what we do each week. We open the Bible and we try and figure out what does it say so we can know the story better. We want to become people who know the story well for our own sake as well as the sake of others. That's the first thing, and it's important. But Paul shows us that we need to go beyond just knowing the story. To become good gospel storytellers, we need to experience the power of the story for ourselves. We need to experience its power. You see, anybody can tell a story. But honestly, it rings empty, doesn't it? If the storyteller has not personally experienced something of its power. For Paul, he had not only heard the gospel, he had experienced it for himself. He knew Jesus and he'd experienced the transforming power of Jesus. So he says there in verses seven and eight, if you, if you look down with me, it says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me. Many of you will know Paul's story. He was raised as a Jew, and as a young man, he zealously hunted down Christians, seeking to destroy the church, until one day he was quite literally stopped in his tracks. Jesus met him and turned his life around. Paul had imprisoned Christians. He had watched others kill Christians. Maybe he'd even killed Christians himself. And so here we see, he, he thinks of himself as less than the least of all God's people. But you see, Paul knew that that didn't stop him from being a good storyteller because he had experienced God's grace. God's grace that forgave him of his sins and God's power that changed him, that made him a different person. So that now he told a new story, the story of the gospel, the story that, that had become his story as he had come to know and, and was known by the Lord Jesus. You know, one of the most effective things we can do when sharing the gospel is to tell the story of how Jesus changed us. 
how he has made a difference in our lives, how we have personally experienced his power at work with us. It might be the story of how you first came to know Jesus, just like Paul. Maybe your life was dramatically changed. You were going in one direction and one day, I don't know, you opened your Bible or someone shared the gospel with you and it changed everything for you. Or maybe as you followed Jesus, you've known his power, you've known his nearness, you've known his comfort, you've known his help through difficult or challenging circumstances in your life. You've experienced his freedom as he's led you from uh, addictions and slavery to sin through to life to the full as you've walked closely with him. If you have experienced Jesus' power in your life, tell that story. Use it as you share the gospel with other people. Your experience helps others to see how God's story is relevant, not just to your life, but to theirs too. So share from your own experience, your experience of the power of Christ at work in your life. But as you do so, and this is our third point today, remember to make sure that you proclaim the Saviour. Make sure that you proclaim the Saviour. When I was um, younger, uh, I was an intern at a large church in South Wales. Uh, and a few weeks into uh, my time on staff there, I was asked to share my story at the staff meeting. And I was really nervous. Uh, all of the pastors and the staff were there. There was probably about 15, 20 people who were gonna be there. And, and these were people that I really looked up to and respected. And so I spent some time planning out what I was going to say as I shared my story. Um, I, I came up with the best anecdotes that I thought would be engaging and witty and, and help people really get to know me. And then the big day came. Everyone gathered around and for about 30 minutes or so, I told the riveting story of my life. And me being me, uh, I walked out of that meeting thinking, man, I nailed that. That went really well. Well done, Pete. I, uh, good job, me. And almost immediately following out, me out of the room was the assistant pastor, who was my, uh, my mentor and my line manager. And he said to me, uh, Pete, can I, can I give you some feedback on your story? And when he said that, my first instinct was, what do you mean, man? You, you weren't there for it. How do you know whether I told it right or not? It's my story. And he just simply asked me one question. He said, how many times do you think you mentioned Jesus in your story? And it felt like someone was pouring ice water over my head uh, because I knew what the answer to his question was. The answer was none. You see, our job as gospel storytellers is to proclaim the saviour. Our story is only beneficial to others insofar as it points people to Jesus, right? Listen to what Paul says in verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, how it's working out. It, today, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Your story may be inspiring. 
Your story may be rags to riches or overcoming great obstacles and odds. It cannot save anyone. You cannot inspire someone to be like you in order to deliver them from their sins and eternal death. Our job is to help people appreciate the boundless riches of Christ. They're boundless because no matter how many times we look at Jesus, there is always more for us to see. Paul's already been sharing some of these riches for us in uh, the first chapters of Ephesians. He's, he's, He's reminded us, in Jesus we're justified. God has declared us right with him because of the death of his son for our sins. In Jesus, we are forgiven. Our sins are taken away. In Jesus, we are adopted. We're able to call God our creator, father. We're welcomed into his family. We have brothers and sisters. We can enjoy family relationship together. In Jesus, we are always hopeful. Whatever lies ahead, we know that ultimately it's glorious. Glorious because we will be with him one day and glorious because we can expect grace day by day as he meets us and empowers us and showers us with love and affection each and every moment. In Jesus, we see glorious sovereignty and control. We find mercy. We we discover in in Jesus imputation as he gives us his righteousness and our sins are placed upon him. In Jesus, we find glorification. We, We understand that he is making us beautiful. In Jesus dwells the fullness of deity and humanity. Wisdom, power, gentleness, kindness. The list goes on and on forever. One of the glorious things about the new creation, we will be with Christ forever and we will never exhaust the riches of Christ. That is how good he is. The riches of Christ are boundless. We will never exhaust them. He is what makes the gospel good news. So talk about him. Proclaim him. Make Jesus the hero of your story. That's the third thing. Fourthly, serve God's purpose. We saw last week that the gospel story is the tool by which God creates the church. As we believe this story, we are brought into relationship with God and with one another. The church is central to the purpose of the gospel. Uh, But what God is doing through the church is, I think, mind-blowing. Look with me at verse 10. We read here that God's intent through Paul's gospel storytelling and ours too is that through the church, which the gospel creates, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. What What does that mean? It means this, God uses the church to show the spiritual powers of evil that oppose him, that his wisdom is manifold. It's enormous, it's multi-sided, there's so many facets to it. The church is the way in which God shows his enemies, Satan, and the demons. That's who Paul is referring to here as the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. The church is the way that God shows them that he is greater. 
than them. That he has achieved his purpose of bringing humanity into relationship with himself, despite Satan's best efforts to destroy us. And as we, together, as one people, approach God with freedom from the guilt of our sins and in confidence that we are accepted, not because of anything good in ourselves, but because the Lord Jesus himself shed his blood to pay our penalty and rose triumphantly from the dead to declare that he has defeated death on our behalf and ascended the throne of heaven to demonstrate that all who trust in him will also be accepted by God and welcomed into his presence. As we approach God in Christ, through faith in him, Paul says, demons bow their heads, howl in rage, and know that Jesus has won. That is what Satan sees when he looks at Trinity Church. In our, in our weakness, as a small band of people trying to figure it out, as we try and serve God in North Manchester, as we, as we struggle to get a building, we meet each week on Zoom and we have to do this thing socially distanced and all that kind of stuff. God, in his wisdom, uses us to declare to his enemies that Jesus has won. It's cool, right? It's beyond cool. Cool is such a small word to describe what that is. It's glorious. It's deep. It's rich. It's magnificent. What does it mean for us as storytellers? Well, we tell the gospel story to serve and to build the church. Maybe that seems obvious to you, but I think for lots of people that isn't obvious. The church is God's purpose in the gospel, to display his wisdom to his enemies through the church. So don't be a lone ranger in your gospel storytelling. Don't do it apart from the church. That shouldn't exist. It doesn't exist in God's purpose. Our storytelling is to serve God's purpose, to see people come to trust in Jesus, to experience his transforming power, and to be connected into a local church, the expression locally of the worldwide church that, that know the gospel, that experience the power of the gospel, and proclaim the Savior in all of his richness and truth. That's God's purpose in our storytelling. That's what God is doing through Paul. It's what he is still doing today. So serve God's purpose. In your storytelling, invite people to come and join, not just Jesus as an individual, but God's people as the church. But there's one more thing that Paul tells the Ephesians that we need to hear today. Because he's in prison as he is telling his story. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that back in verse 1. It was for this reason he paused to talk about his ministry in the first place. And the final thing that he tells the Ephesians is this. Good storytellers are encouraged in suffering. So, be encouraged in suffering today. That's, that's our, final, our final lesson together. Why did Paul spend time talking about his ministry. What prompted this digression? He says back in verse 1, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul has, has he's become a prisoner. He's being held captive by his Jewish opponents who have taken him to Rome and he awaits trial at the hands of Caesar. And eventually, church history tells us, he was put 
to death. He didn't, he didn't escape. There wasn't some glorious kind of like uh, Hollywood movie ending where you know, the, the wall blows off the prison and somebody says, get in, he jumps in the van, he drives up. It didn't happen. You know, Paul was a prisoner. And, and lots of people, when they weigh up whether or not to take a story seriously, whether to buy into it as a narrative that, that controls their lives, that, that, that they find hope uh, and uh, uh, joy in, they weigh it up on the basis of the storyteller themselves, right? How's it working out for you? It's why influencers on social media try and present themselves as beautiful and wealthy and uh, always having fun and happy the whole time. It's why politicians are so concerned about seeming strong and in control. You know, nobody's going to vote for me if I don't seem like I know what I'm doing. But Paul says in verse 13, as he comes back to verse 1 and, and finishes the thought, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul's sufferings should not be taken by the Ephesians as a sign that things are going wrong. When we tell the gospel story and the church is built, we should expect opposition. Satan hates the church. We are the great sign of his defeat. No, Paul's imprisonment isn't something that should be dis discouraging for the Ephesians. Rather, he says that it is your glory. What does the fact that I'm suffering as a storyteller tell you? It, it tells you that nothing will stop me from sharing this story with you. It reminds them that the gospel is more valuable to Paul than his freedom. It provides a surer future than a life without shackles. It provides greater riches than those that had been taken from him. And so Paul keeps speaking, he keeps writing, he keeps telling the story, no matter what it cost him. You know, not all of us are called to be apostles. Actually, none of us are called to be apostles in the way that Paul was called to be an apostle. His calling was unique. His suffering was great. But all of us, if we are to be faithful storytellers of the gospel, we will face persecution and opposition and loss in one way or another whether it's reputation or confrontation or hostility or inconvenience. These things are not signs of a bad storyteller. We don't need to hide them away as if somehow they will damage uh, God's reputation uh, and the impact and the power of the story we're telling. Actually, our weaknesses, our sufferings, they are signs of someone who knows that the gospel is true that they are experiencing the power of the gospel for themselves despite their circumstances. It's a sign to the world that someone is still speaking loudly of their saviour and serving the purpose, God's purpose in their time and generation despite the difficulties that they are enduring. So be encouraged in your suffering. When things are hard, tell your story. Your weakness, your sufferings, speak loudly to the truth that the gospel is, in fact, true. And you 
are experiencing it to be true in this moment. So, let's grow as gospel storytellers. You know, here at Trinity Church, we have four values that shape everything that we do. You can find them on our website if you want to dig deeper into them. Uh, They are truth, beauty, change, and story. And uh, this is what we mean when we say that story is one of our values. Everyone loves a good story. As we hear good stories, we are invited to experience the power of the truth they contain. We constantly tell God's gospel story, allowing it to shape our own stories, to show what God is doing in our lives, and to invite others to come and experience him for themselves. You know, the reason that story is one of our values is because it's written all over the New Testament. Those who have had God's story become our story through faith in Jesus are also called by God to be storytellers. So let us work to become good gospel storytellers together by knowing the story, experiencing its power, proclaiming the saviour, serving its purpose, and being encouraged even in the midst of suffering. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken the gospel story to us. Thank you that you have sent for each of us someone into our lives who has faithfully and boldly and lovingly told the gospel story to us. For each of us who have believed, somebody, somebody first told us that gospel story, whether it was a parent or a friend or a leader in church. Lord, we thank you for those people right now. And Father, we ask that as we have just taken a brief uh, overview of Paul's ministry, that we would learn from him, that we would become better gospel storytellers so that you might use us lord to reach many people with this good news so that those in north manchester and beyond would uncover the boundless riches of christ would understand how great jesus truly is and would come to belong to that purpose that you are constructing all of history for, to build your church so that even the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places acknowledge your great and mighty wisdom. So, Father, we pray all of these things for your glory alone. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.